This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. An attack on a Saudi Arabian oil facility over the weekend already has many in the federal government clamoring again for war with Iran, even if Iran is responsible for the attack. Cato's John Glazer and Doug Bandel point out the target was, remember, Saudi Arabia and not the United States. We spoke today. Well, we've seen an attack on the Saudi oil facilities that have had a very significant impact, which, of course, have roiled the uh, oil, uh, the international energy markets. It has everyone quite concerned about the future there. Saudi Arabia is trying to uh, repair the damage. It appears to have the uh, Trump administration on the warpath. The president has said the U.S. is ready to act. He has kind of thrown the decision towards the Saudis, appearing to put America's decision for a peace or war in the hands of Mohammed bin Salman, which is a rather strange place to leave it. There's obviously a lot of question about exactly who did what. The U.S. blames Iran. Not everyone is convinced. The Yemenis have been fairly effective with drones in the past. And of course, this is an outgrowth of the ongoing war in Yemen, which Saudi Arabia started. No one seems to be talking about that. Nevertheless, the people who started unsettling the region and really creating all of this instability is Riyadh, along with the United Arab Emirates and their allies. You know, so that much of this should go back on them. We have congressional you know, folks calling for action. It's quite a mess on this, uh, this day. Yeah, I'm sort of, it shouldn't be, but I'm sort of surprised at how rapid uh, the political class in D.C. has come to the point of calling, coming right up to the line of calling for war. Uh, there's even um, talks in the reports going on right now about some kind of joint U.S.-Saudi retaliatory strike. Now, why? Why? First of all, Saudi Arabia was attacked, not the United States. They're not a treaty ally of ours, so we're not legally obligated to come to their defense. And the president has sort of said, well, we're going to wait for what Saudi officials tell us happened. And that that just seems sort of odd and weak. Yeah. So the president is shifting uh, the authority of whether or not we engage in military action to the Saudi leadership, uh, ignoring the fact that it's actually Congress that can determine the nation's involvement in, in hostilities abroad. That's, first of all, this is super premature. We just don't have all the facts yet. There's a lot of people in the U.S. government assuming that Iran is culpable for this, uh, but there's there's no firm evidence of that yet. Um, secondly, as I said, we're not obligated to come to the defense of Saudi Arabia, and they're not being invaded. And you know, this is just a strike. There's no immediate reason in terms of U.S. national interest that we should get involved. The, there's a claim that uh, the roiling of oil markets is enough for you know the United States to get involved, but that can't be true. Uh, we're currently engaged in zeroing out Iranian oil exports, and we're also heaping enormous sanctions on Venezuela, so they, they have trouble exporting their oil. So we can't claim that an intervention here was going to be based on uh, in the free flow of oil. I even heard a Democratic member of Cong uh, Congress, uh, Chris Coons on Fox News, suggest that Iran is now testing our resolve. I cannot think of a dumber reason to engage in war in one of the most unstable regions of the planet. So uh, as you mentioned, the president has uh, placed restrictions on uh, oil out coming out of Venezuela. Uh, and has leaned on other countries not to consume oil from Iran. How 
durable are those restrictions in the face of what we saw is, uh, at least in the short term, a 20% increase in the price of oil? Well, if Saudi Arabia quickly repairs the damage, the oil is back in the market, and uh, tensions subside, you know, one could imagine essentially stepping back to the status quo. Nevertheless, a lot of people are going to be nervous about that in the future because this shows the vulnerability of the oil market to uh, you know, questionable activities in the Middle East. I think what's important here is very few people are talking about who started this, which frankly is the administration. When it was living up to the JCPOA, the United States and Iran had an accommodation. The oil markets were fairly stable. We didn't have people running around worrying about war and rising oil prices. You know, the administration apparently believed that Iran would very quickly concede, give up what it wanted, and the administration would be happy and the oil markets would be fine. So the, the starting point here should be administration policy, not today, but going back a year and a half and its policy towards Iran. Other countries are probably going to be thinking about this, whether they verbalize it or not. The Europeans are not happy with the administration position. The U.S. has put enormous pressure on China, India, a country like Iraq and others. So others are going to be noting the fact the U.S. plays a very major role in all of this. What of the uh, proposal that was perhaps offered by the president to meet with Iran uh, either it sort of, I guess it was seemed like it was in conjunction with firing of uh, National Security Advisor John Bolton. Yeah, so Trump has long held out the prospect of meeting with the Iranian leadership to discuss a nuclear deal without preconditions, which is odd because over the weekend he tweeted out that it is fake news that he ever said he would meet with Iran <laughs> with no preconditions, which again adds to the credibility problem of a of a administration that not only can't tell the truth and can't keep its lines straight, but uh, is kind of all over the place with what its actual policy is. Um, I don't. I think it's going to be very unlikely that that Trump meets directly with uh, Iranian President Rouhani. Um, there's certainly lots to discuss. Uh, unfortunately, it's hard for the Iranians to agree to meet with the United States when we've been engaging in economic warfare against their country with really no for no reason. I mean, they were compliant with the nuclear deal until we backed out. Um, the, you know, Saudi Arabia, our great ally, is far more of a destabilizing actor in the Middle East than Iran is. Um, but we're pretty relentless and we're even sort of threatening war occasionally. Um, one thing I, I will say, Doug, Doug is right that as the news of this incident in Saudi Arabia has come out over the weekend and up to now, you almost never see a proper amount of context. So there's certain things to keep in mind. First of all, the Saudis have been meddling in Yemen since the 30s, uh, and they've been sort of uh, at loggerheads with the Houthis for many decades. Uh, since 2015, they've been relentlessly bombing Yemen and blockading it, uh, almost seeming to use starvation as a weapon of war. It's led to hundreds of thousands of civilian casualties, um, starvation, uh, cholera outbreaks. I mean, it's the world's most acute humanitarian crisis. And it's all because of Saudi Arabia and its relentless bombing campaign on Yemen, which the United States has supported. If Saudi Arabia is going to do that, they should be prepared for some measure of retaliation. 
Um, so that's important to keep in mind. The other thing that's important to keep in mind in, in terms of Iran's possible culpability here is, again, as I said, the United States has been unleashing very harsh economic warfare against Iran. People can't put food on the table. Inflation is out of control, unemployment, uh, and we're zeroing out Iranian oil exports. That's economic warfare. Once again, if you want to engage in that kind of belligerence, expect a reaction. Doug Bandau is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute, and John Glazer directs foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.